Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Fully Booked. Today, we are going to be discussing the first half of The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. I am, of course, Bill Schmidt. Joining me today are my dear friends and colleagues, Austin. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Bill. Eric. Good morning, Eric. It's uh, afternoon out here. Eat a dick. Uh, and John. Good morning, John. Good morning. Go fuck yourself. All right. So I'd like to get everyone's uh, first impressions of the first half. Uh, how are we feeling about it? Uh, popcorn Austin. Uh, so far, I find it uh, pretty fun. Um, there's a lot of detail in the descriptions that are both rich, but also I think a little superfluous. Um, it's a lot to chew through and every time, because it's a detective novel, I keep thinking there's gonna be that one little clue, that one little hint embedded within all that stuff. But so far I haven't been able to trace anything to a bigger meaning, meaning other than just what it is. So, Josh. I um, I think it's interesting because I think on the surface the writing seems very simple but there's like a hidden layer of complexity mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense and I often have to reread things to understand what's going on and I think it's partly because there's a lot of like 1930s detective slang that I mm -hmm. have no idea what it means um, so yeah and I think also uh, uh, it has, so I like it for that, for that, but one thing I would say that I don't like it for is, uh, it's troubling treatment of women. <laughs> mm, quite, quite. Uh, Eric. Uh, I, I'm enjoying the book. I think it's really good. Uh, there are some problematic elements to it, but it's, uh, what year is the book published? 1930s? 39. Yeah, so... I wouldn't say it's ahead of its time, but I wouldn't say it's, like, purposely derogatory or anything like that. I just think it's an older book. Uh, debatable. Uh, debatable. Careful. Remember the conversation about Kindred? Uh, no. Can you remind me? Does uh, a book... Oh, that's right. Yeah, setting yeah, necessarily... Yeah. Uh, justify an action or a mindset i think a modern reader can discuss the flaws that the book presents in a mindful way and thus i don't think we should throw this book out because it's very interesting so here's my question yes uh philip, philip marlowe is a detective private eye is he private eye is he like being paid for doing this? Is this what General Stern would hire him to do? $25 plus expenses. And expenses. <laughs> but what is he doing? What is he trying to solve? Like, Yeah, that's a very good question. Wasn't he trying to originally solve the blackmailing aspect? Yeah. Like, he was trying to get uh, uh, Sternwood like free of it. Well, so yeah. I think that... Go ahead, Josh. I think he was in it to get the photographs back 
And then mm. because he's like Joe was killed as soon as he got the photograph, so he kind of got roped into that. Mm. Um, yeah, because the blackmailing job wasn't really done until he got the pictures because somebody else could just use the pictures to blackmail him again, you know? Correct. Right. I don't know. I think it's implied that his job was done a long time ago, but he continues to pursue the case for righteousness. Because there's a line that. there towards the end where uh, the cop uh, – so Marlowe goes in to talk to the police, and they're like, what are you making off of this anyways? And he's like, $25 a day and expenses. So they're like, okay, so you made 50 bucks and some gas money. And he's like, yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> the case, in in all intents and purposes the case is done but yet he's still pursuing something I was going to say um, you guys talk like we don't get much about his personal life but I think we very much get like a personal touch of Philip Marlowe because every goddamn sentence ends with like his own like reflection like and it made me mad and yeah his own take on things and he's like a bad boy and kind of snarky and that uh, he looked about as useful as a 10 cent cigar mm -hmm. I guess. So, uh, and i agree there but i think that um and eric correct me if i'm wrong i think that you meant more like it doesn't get into his married life his relationship yeah. status his his struggle his, with his family his background and, yeah okay that's right. I, I think that you could probably like extrapolate background from him um, through those comments and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that because I think there's more than one, right? There's a whole series of uh, Philip Marlowe novels, right? Correct. So I think Eric that it would be similar where you know Kurt Wallander, you don't learn a whole lot about him in the first Each couple books. Sure. Every novel brings out a little bit more, a little bit deeper into his personal life. Yeah. This could be like that, or it could be much more, you know, strict to the case. Like, he's got that hard-boiled personality, and that's kind of the exposure that we see about him. Sure. Well, it's just, uh, with, especially with, like, Kurt Wallander, like, uh, there'd be a chapter focused on him going to see his dad at the hospital, or a chapter about him meeting up with his daughter for lunch. Whereas in this book, every single chapter focuses on an element of the case. So, True. but I agree that you get a lot of Marlowe and he's kind of our lens to society and how twisted it is. I think this book portrays a very bleak reality. Right. What do you mean? I just bookstores that look like bookstores, but are actually pornography rings. People that look pretty on the surface, but behind closed doors are doing all these dastardly things. An insurance agent that's looking to take over a pornography business. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of like surface reality dichotomy going on. And, you know, like Gager, or Gregor's house looks pretty normal, but then when you go inside, it's, I think it said disgusting by daylight. And so I think uh, if you're a private investigator and you're the one uh, going under the surface, uh, you fi uncover a lot of dark secrets. And maybe it's just his line of work that portrays the reality like this. But 
I think this book uh, is very cynical about the world that we live in. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think? Uh, do you think it's his work that makes him see like the worst side of humanity, or do you think it's the author's viewpoint? And ask that again. Do you think it's because I guess there's three options? Uh, is it Marlowe's viewpoint that like the world's a dirty place? Is it the author's view, or is it just the nature of a detective novel that you see a lot of bad in people? Huh. I think it all kind of comes back to money because Philip Marlowe has voiced his disdain for the wealthy and it all kind of comes back to the Sternwoods having a lot of money. Oil money, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, money, money is bad. I don't know if that's the author's <laughs> viewpoint from Marlowe's. I'm just I'm just saying words now. Yeah, uh, I don't know I don't know if we can I don't know what our what leg we have to stand on to say it's Marlowe versus Chandler that has these feelings. Well, there was that line that Marlowe had when Miss Reagan met him in his office and she said, "Oh, you certainly don't look like you have a money a lot of money." And he says something like, well, it's awful hard to make money when you're honest. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what, what have we seen wealthy people spend their money on so far? It's just pornography and gambling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's both um, the nature of a detective novel is that you meet a lot of bad people. I think that's definitely a part of it. But I do think mm-hmm. that there's a side of this that is against... Uh, the wealthy class yeah i think it's very i don't know uh, while reading this book i try to keep in mind that this was published in like the late 30s and i'm sure like to a reader at the time this would be like very sensational you know like what a naked woman being photographed what <laughs> um a bookstore that sells smut yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there was a lot of shock value on, mm. with this book. Like, you, you know, and I think it intentionally tries to be like as uh, obscene as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, uh,. Josh, what are we looking like on the clock? Do we want to go into women in the novel? Uh, we are at 37 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, then uh, let's. Who wants to have the first word? I'll take it. Go for it. Uh, you brought well, it up. Let me, tell, let me tell a bit of a story here. So uh, <laughs> I was sitting in our sunroom drink, in, drinking coffee, and I was reading Raymond Chandler, and Rachel was sitting across from me. And I'm reading, I, I get to the part where um, uh, Carmen kisses Marlo. Um, and I look up, and Rachel's next to me reading, and I look what she's reading, and she's reading a collection of essays about feminism. And I was like, <laughs> man, we could not be reading more different novels. Right 
because I think That's women in this novel are serve one of two purposes. Either they're there to get beat up or they're there <laughs> to be sex objects. Sex and objects, yeah. As I was telling Rachel, up until um, the fight with Joe Brody, the only person who'd gotten hit in that novel were women. <laughs> Um, and then like again and I said this before but like the fact that both sisters have led on Marlo I think is also telling so yeah I don't know I think it's pretty bad for that in that I I mean don't get me wrong like I like the plot I'm interested to see what happens but I think just in this one area it's pretty troubling and also, uh, Geiger, uh, he is either gay or bisexual, and that is not well received by Marlo. Mm-hmm. I think there was a line that was like, he threw a punch, but because queers don't have any iron in them, it didn't hurt that bad. Or something, or I forget the exact wording, but he definitely does not like the fact that Carol is Geiger's gay lover. And I think Carol's painted in a problematic way, too. Just the fact that his only line is, go fuck yourself. Uh, and he's the only gay character in the book. Uh, at least that has more than five seconds of screen time before he passes away. Uh, is problematic, too. Well, and then he's described things like, what do you say, like the stealthy nastiness of a fag party? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that, that was that line. That's what it was. Um, then even before that, when he's at the bookstore pretending to be gay, um, oh, yeah. he's like, oh, you know, I try to be like a fairy, even though I'm 190. Something. <laughs> yeah. Which, can I bring up a completely unrelated point, but it just came to mind? Sure when um or i guess there's a woman involved so it's kind of relevant um when he's at the bookstore across the street and she's describing geiger to him uh-huh. uh she describes geiger as medium height fattish 160 pounds that made me very self-conscious <laughs> and she's like yeah. soft all over he's soft all over fat and he's 160. he's like oh 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 I was thinking that too. I was like, man, that guy has to be very short if he's yeah, fat at one side. I think uh I think people were naturally shorter back in those days. I one time I was at uh I was at the store and I was with a buddy and we were like looking at energy drinks or something. This is years ago. And we were reading the ingredients, we were trying to make a decision, I don't know what our thought process was back then but this old guy walks up to us and he's uh-huh. says hey i'm really glad to see you guys are reading those labels blah 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 um you know they don't they put so much stuff in products nowadays that you can never know what you're eating and then started talking more and he like went to he was in world war ii and stuff he said you know you guys remind me a lot of myself except i was about seven inches shorter but I had like, I was twice as built, like I was much more muscular. But he said, and then he said, but everybody was like that back then. Huh. You know, I think 
and I don't know if I can take that for like the the statement of humanity or anything, but uh, it was very interesting that he remembered that he could look at us and be like, oh yeah, I was, you know, much stronger than you guys. I was much thicker. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think times have just times have changed. Changed. I want to ask because I am not like a feminist scholar. Uh, there's a line on page 97. Uh, it's talking about how there's the inscription on the weapon that Carmen uses uh, from Owen. And Marlo has a line that's uh, she made saps of all of them. And there's this idea that a woman's sexuality is her power. It's what gives her uh, control over men. And is that does that like sit well because in a sense like carmen sort of controls a lot of the male characters and has power over them because of her sexuality so is it problematic if she's given um some agency through this sexuality i actually read an essay about this uh it's the idea of masculine forms of power and feminine forms of power yeah, hippie. Um, and the general conclusion of the essay was that it is not wrong for a man to, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with a man displaying a masculine form of power and a, and a woman displaying a, a feminine form of power. When it becomes wrong is when only men dis- display a masculine form of power and only women display a feminine form of power. Because a man should be able to use feminine forms of power and a woman should be able to use masculine forms of power. I mean, Carmen has a gun to Owen, too. She like, I would say. When she shoots him and gets it slapped out of her hands and then punched. So. <laughs> yeah, but she still has agency in the fact that she tried. You know, she didn't just sit at home. Sure, she fucked it up, but you got to give her some credit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a stretch. I, I, I think the representation of that scene is not. It yeah, does not no, you're right. Both the men, both the men empowering very quickly overpower the females in there. Yeah. Uh, so, but but, all right, real quick. I think that, so you said that in that line, she's saying, he is saying that she makes saps out of all men or right. out of men. So and stuff. she exercises her feminine power to gain right. dominance over these males. Um, that's it. That was the end of my sentence. Oh. <laughs> um, so I don't know what kind of statement he's making because uh, earlier in on in chapter 7, he walks in and Carmen is sitting there naked uh, and she's this is what she's been drugged and stuff. And he's got this paragraph that I, right before he slaps her, or a page or two before, she had a beautiful body, small, lithe, compact, firm, rounded. Her skin in the lamplight had the shimmerings, shimmering luster of a pearl. Her yeah. legs didn't quite have the, the raffish grace of Mrs. Regan's legs, but they were very nice. I looked her over without either embarrassment or ruddishness. As a naked girl, she was not there in that room at all. She was just a dope. To me, she was always just a dope. That's a really good line. And I really think that 
shows us the masculine or like the the male gaze that we yeah. have as with Marlo as our narrator. I do think the females are objectified all the time, whereas the males never are depicted I, in terms of their looks. I was I was laughing when. Do you guys remember when Marlo meets uh, Miss Reagan for the first time? Yeah. She, it describes him sitting there staring at her legs and and her staring at him staring at her legs. <laughs> I it was so funny. Doesn't he Watching say her, her legs were there to be looked at? <laughs> Is that the one? Yeah. Well, yeah, but it goes on and it's like she was staring at his eyes and he was staring at her legs. And so I'm just imagining this interaction where he's sitting there staring at her legs and she's sitting there staring at him and nobody's saying anything for like 30 seconds two things one i think they do a good job i i've been uh it's figuary figure drawing month so i've been drawing uh figures all i've been drawing women all month and it does a good job describing the legs and the curves of the legs like it doesn't there's an accurate anatomy to it so credit where credit's due but 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 hold on but also yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, because that, it's because sure. that they can't describe breasts and asses at this point in time and have the novel published. And so legs are the stand, oh, legs are the stand for those things. Yeah, that's very interesting. But I think, I think Reagan's trying to dupe, uh, and maybe this goes too far into predictions, but I think Reagan has something to do with... Uh, who the fuck's missing again? Eddie, no... No, but, but who's the guy? Her husband, Rusty. Yeah. I think Her Reagan husband. has something to do with Rusty's disappearance, and so I think she purposely uh, catch tries to catch him off guard so she can manipulate him. So I do think, again, it's feminine power, and there should be more masculine displays of power in the females. But I do think she's she's purposely trying to play Marlo in that scene. Women. So hey, uh, if we are done with that conversation, I have a what should be a quick question. That's a really could I I don't know I I like the Josh. Can you send me that essay? That's really interesting. If I can find it. Yeah, if you can find it, send it to me. I'd like to read that. All right, Austin, go. Um, now obviously we're only halfway through the novel, uh, and there's still halfway to go. But why do you think it's titled The Big Sleep? Because um, uh, Marlo's going to take a big nap after he's done with this case. Well, okay, so that's that's kind of my point. Is Have we hit anything that's, like, pointing to the title? I thought Big Sleep just meant death, and there's been a lot of that. Yeah, that's right. Right, but I would, I would think that... I guess I just think that if the big sleep was the title, it would be more like this more like creeping aspect, you know, like it, it's more like a thing to wrestle with rather than it just happens. And then I know, think you're giving the author on. too much credit. There's four books uh, on the back of my, or like you see four different covers by the same author and the titles are the long goodbye, the little sister, the lady in the lake and farewell my lovely so 
I don't think there's that much to it. Well, but I think that all those have very pointed, like, the little sister is obviously going to be about somebody's little sister. Right, I think this one's just about murder. (laughs) I bet it'll come up. Yeah. I I bet there will be, like, I don't know, definitely at least, like, a sentence where, like, the biggest leap of his life. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, she went to sleep for the last time. That's right. It wasn't a little sleep. It was a big sleep. <laughs> um, we are almost out of time, so do we want to do predictions? Yes. Josh, start with yours. Oh, God. Um, I agree with what we've been saying, that Miss Reagan is more involved than we're led to believe. So I think there's going to be some sinister quality of hers that comes to light shortly um perhaps she was pulling the strings all along to get her daughter out of her father's favor so that she inherits everything who knows um oh i forgot about that angle but i also think the butler is a sinister character as well uh i hate that his name is mr norris because I just imagine him and Miss Norris from Harry Potter to be wed. Okay, here's my. <laughs> and I know that's stupid, but that's in my head. Here's my prediction. I got it. I just formulated it. The butler nice. and Miss Reagan are having an affair. They're gonna try and get Miss Carmen out of inheritance and walk away with General Sternwood's money. Damn. That actually sounds really good. Um, but I think that Mister Sternwood, Mister General Sternwood. I think he is somehow involved a little bit more uh, with the pornography ring. I think Whoa. that's going to come out over time. I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. You didn't seem I... so surprised then. It just hit me. It just took a while. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I think Miss Reagan killed rusty and needed and is also involved with some cd characters that helped her accomplish it and we're going to meet more of these characters in this dark land that is hollywood california in the next section i think that the butler and general sternwood are having an affair whoa well i was not gonna like that I don't know. I think it all comes back to General Sternwood. I think he killed Rusty. Um, and I think Marlo and Mrs. Regan will fall in love. Aww. Okay. Uh, could you imagine? I just, I went to Hollywood, California. And like, Lee and I go to bookstores a lot when we go to foreign places. Or at least new places we'd like to check out, like the local bookstore. Could you imagine if I had walked into a bookstore that was actually a front for a photography enterprise with my <laughs> wife? I would have been probably did. <laughs> hey, we used to have a pizza place in the area that was busted for peddling coke. Yikes! Like it was a huge operation. Wasn't so, that in like... clerks? Like you would ask for oregano on the pizza, and then you'd get weed. Oh yeah, I think so. But this was like, this was like, kilos and a lot of cocaine passed through. Like they would get deliveries of dough and stuff, 
and in that truck, like way in the back or hidden somewhere, were just a sh- it was just a shit ton of coke. Got Good for know. them. Yeah. Dang. Tony's Pizzeria. Uh... Or some mm. I don't remember. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah. All right, there you have it, folks. Uh, careful when you go to pizza places. <laughs> and, and also, also choose, choose your bookstores wisely That's or just right. choose the right bookstores and have a good time I'm going to stop recording okay